The best thing I would say after going through a breakup is just to respect your own process. If that means, you know, struggling to get back to work or, or reclusing or going out a lot more, like just respect that that's where you're at and have compassion for yourself. You're not supposed to judge your process or your emotions when you're going through a breakup because you're grieving and your grieving process looks different than your best friends or your mentors or your parents or who you're really in your YouTube influencer. It's your own. So having that compassion every step, every day, or even every hour is, is what's going to help you get through your breakup. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to episode 17 of the Learn With Wells podcast. I'm super excited about this episode. I feel like it's one of the best conversations so far, and I feel like it's something that everyone could benefit from listening to. So on this episode, I spoke with Nancy Ruth Dean, who is a Vancouver-based breakup coach. In our conversation, we talked about how Nancy got into this unique line of work and what her business looks like. And then we also talked all about the mistakes that people make when dealing with a breakup, what people should do to successfully move forward after the end of a relationship, and a bit about what magazine articles and your friends and mentors get wrong when advising you as you're dealing with your breakup. Nancy was super insightful and super helpful, and I don't know if I love this conversation because it's what I needed to hear for myself, but yeah, I just feel like it is a great one. If you're going through a breakup, if you've ever had a breakup, or if one of your friends is going through a breakup, then this conversation is for you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, so for our audience, can you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Nancy Ruth Dean. I'm a breakup coach and I help men and women rediscover themselves after a breakup and also redefine what it means to actually go through the breakup experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. That's such an interesting job. How did you get into this business? Like, is there like a university program that teaches you how to be a breakup coach? Like, how did this all happen? (laughs) Well, actually, it's funny because when I was 16, I started watching Millionaire Matchmaker on TV. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I think it's called like, what is it called now? It's not called Millionaire Matchmaker anymore. It's called, they changed it because they changed the network. But the CEO, Patty Stanger, she was this like really tough businesswoman, but she had a big heart, but like had this shell. It was kind of that first moment where I started watching and I just knew that I wanted to be her. It, mm-hmm. it was like that first moment that I ever got where I felt that I had direction to go in, even though I was 16. So I only had my first boyfriend the year before that. So it's not like I had a lot of experience with relationships. But when I saw her, I just knew I wanted to be part of that. So fast forward, I moved, I relocated to the West Coast. And one of the first things I did to Vancouver, BC was reach out to matchmaking companies. Oh, cool. I just, I just knew I wanted to be a matchmaker. And after getting 
all these insights from all these interviews, I started putting the pieces together, like seeing it in real time. And, and that's what inspired me to start my own business and actually see, see the formula for, for a healthy beginning of a relationship actually be um, how we get through our last breakup. So I'm actually the first piece, not the last piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, you started out as a matchmaker? Yes. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, so how did, how did you make that switch from matchmaker to breakup coach? So when I started interviewing people, I thought I was just interviewing them on what they wanted in a partner or who they were and what made people compatible. I started to just take stock. We had actual interviews that we would, um, I actually just followed a really basic interview sheet that I was given when I started working. And I started to just realize that a lot of what people were actually looking for in their relationship was either in spite of their last relationship or what looked like an unresolved issue in their last relationship. So they would, if they dated somebody who was, let's say a workaholic, Mm -hmm. um, then they would, they would feel really called to look for somebody who had a well-balanced life. But I started putting all of that together Mm -hmm. and started, started realizing that people were choosing partners, not based on who they wanted or who they were specifically. They just started wanting to look for people because of how they were impacted in their last relationship, but more in the negative sense, as opposed to in the enlightened and evolved sense, if you will. Oh, okay. I see. Um, So was that helpful for people to like, to try to do like find the kind of opposite of, the negative things that they had in their previous relationship? Like, was that helping them to find better fits for them? Yeah, I think what I noticed about these interviews is just, it, it really, it moved me to be front and center. Like, you know, you're talking to your girlfriends or your guy friends, and you're talking about what they like in a relationship, but you're only having like a few of those conversations. Whereas for me, I was sitting down with these people individually and hearing both from a, I'm a very energy-based person. So if somebody says, you know, this is what I'm looking for, I can kind of sense, you know, is that coming from, because again, I'm, I'm an intuitive breakup coach. So I can kind of sense, are they saying that because they're very inspired to find that person? It, it feels right and aligned with them. Or does it feel like they're still angry at their ex for doing X, Y, Z? So angry for overworking or angry for, um, let's say, communicating in this style. They're like, they're still holding in that anger because they haven't processed their breakup. And then what they would do is they would think that it was the the issues in their last relationship. They're going to literally do the opposite. So I realized if you don't, re- if you just keep trying to date, but you're not actually looking at what happened in your last relationship, you just think moving on and finding a new person is going to be the solution. 
mm-hmm. that's that's where I realized like no that's not the case at all so looking for somebody in, in an opposite way is not the formula for getting over your ex mm-hmm. yeah or finding somebody new yeah that makes sense is there like a an amount of time that is ideal like between partners that um kind of helps to dictate what will be successful if that makes sense I think the biggest I think that's where the biggest stigma lies right um I think all of us can agree that we've been in a place where we can see a girlfriend starting to date you know within 24 hours of their breakup especially with all the dating apps happening it's Dating, going on a date is at the tip of your fingers now. Mm-hmm. And where I also see the stigma happening is some people, even two years after being out of a relationship, still struggle because they think they need more time. So the concept of time, not to get too meta, is kind of, it's like, it's almost something that holds, it's something we hold against ourselves and measure it in terms of progress. Mm-hmm. So We've been out of our, I hear it all the time from my clients, like I've, we've been broken up for three months. I still feel like I'm on day one. And I'm like, it's okay if it's been three months and you still feel that way. There's, there's no set time for getting over your ex at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I feel like I've definitely made that mistake of like, like, ending something and then being like, oh, I need to like get back on a dating app right away. And I feel like go on a date to kind of like prove to the other person, like, oh, I don't need you. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it, it makes sense. We, when we go through a breakup, we hardly understand that a lot of our motivation to do certain things. And guess what? We've been there. I've been there. I've been there so many times mm-hmm. where we just really want to believe it's about the other person. We don't want to believe it's about us and doing the inner work to figure out you know, where am I coming from? What's my responsibility or what's my, what's my work in, in my breakup? And then we, we do, we, we kind of want to punish our, it's funny, we want to punish our exes or show them somebody else is going to see us as worthy. So we're like, I'm just going to go on a date with a great person and show them that I don't need them and that I actually, you know, am a prize and I, I do deserve love, but you do it from a place of, like within it, an energy space of um, ego as a pl- as a place to as opposed to a place of inspiration and and true desire to go on that date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's like exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. It make it makes it's. I never fall. It's funny because sometimes my clients will come to me and they'll preface with the sentence, "Nancy, you're not going to like this," but dot dot dot, and it'll be like. <laughs> I went on a date when I was feeling lonely or I texted my ex when I was drunk or angry. And I always think to myself, like my role isn't to judge you in your process. Like I, I, I always know that when we, even when we operate from a place of ego and again, we're not calling that, we're just calling it, I feel lonely or I'm angry or whatever that emotion is. Um, and then we do, we do an action from that space. Um, it's not my job to say that was the wrong thing to do. That's the, or that was the right thing to do or, but they're really looking for, I know that was the wrong thing to do, but I always say your process is your process. And I'm sure you learned something small or big about yourself when you did 
um, take that action where they would call that a mistake. I would say where you took action from that space. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. That That is true. Like, I feel like, yeah, sometimes you do things that logically it's like, oh, that probably wasn't the smartest thing. But I guess like if you do learn from it, then it's still helpful. Yeah, I think people have a tendency to, and we all do this truthfully, um, how we judge our actions, how we judge our emotions. It, it's, it doesn't come from like a universal, from, from something universal. It comes from our conditioning as, as a kid, like how on top, uh, rather, how on top of our parents were of our actions or how often they would judge our actions and label them as bad or good. So a lot of us have either compassion for, and I, I, I teach my clients this as well, which is when you do something from a place of ego or a place of a low vibrational um, emotional state, Mm-hmm. have compassion that you felt that you didn't have control over your actions or or um where can you give yourself more self-love because the more that you judge yourself about what you did it's only going to create more shame and guilt it's not going to help you heal mm-hmm. true oh i like that that's nice <laughs> um is there a common demographic of people that you work with? Like, is it mostly men or women or people in their 20s or maybe older people maybe going through a divorce or um, who are your clients typically? Typically speaking, it's, it's the person who I would say the youngest client I ever worked with in while working as a breakup coach was um, a 27 year old. Um, and these are pe- and and the person who's the oldest, I would say like in their fifties. Mm-hmm. And the thing with, with breakup coaching is, you know, the early, I always think that you find breakup coaching at the right time for you. So a lot of my clients are in their forties and fifties and they're thinking like, well, I wish I had this stuff, you know, when I was going through my breakup in my twenties. And I don't necessarily think that's true. I think we always find the right resources when we need them. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it, if you are an intuitive, um, let's say you're 19 or older and you're just very intuitive, you're very in tune with yourself and you want to do this type of coaching to really enhance your life. I think that's amazing too, but it's usually the case that people have been around the block and had, uh, several relationships and are starting to be aware of their relationship patterns, which mm-hmm. is something we uncover together like that's the uncovering breakup and relationship patterns are are the basis for why people actually do want to work on their breakups Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense um so what do your sessions and services look like is it kind of like therapy and they just keep seeing you until they feel like they're um, ready to not need coaching anymore or how does that all work It really depends on the client. I mean, right now with everything going on in the world, I offer something a little bit different, which is I do just an individual session at a reduced rate to see um, what they need help with. Everybody needs help with different things. And I typically work with people if they've, if they decide, you know, um, 
they see, because you have to kind of feel the shift that happens with the right session. So it's not like therapy in the sense that I don't, I'm not a therapist, um, but I work with people between two to six months to really get them shifting their perspective. So we uncover their beliefs. We, we take a look at how has that shifted their perceptions that week. So we, we build small shifts after small shifts. And um, for the most part, after two-ish months with me, they have, they have a, a strong sense of where they need to go in their own development. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, what are some of the common issues that you see as to why people are having trouble moving on after a breakup? I think the biggest thing I see is, um, I, wa- I want to say kind of a reluctance. It's funny because there's a few things that are coming up for me right now, but it's it's not understanding how the mind works from a survival standpoint and how that shows up when we're going through a breakup. For example, let's say you're dating somebody um, or anyone listening uh, is dating somebody and they have this really strong sense that they don't fully understand. They have just a strong sense they need to end their relationship. What ends up happening is when, whether it was them who instigated it or their partner, they end up going through an actual withdrawal from that person. And so what the mind will do, um, and this is fully documented in the research as well, which, which is when we go through a breakup, we don't realize that our mind and our bodies are going to try and get us, bring us closer to our ex. So often it'll be the case if you've ever experienced this personally, where you'll feel confident about breaking up with a partner. And then within 24 to 48 hours, you think you've had these strong revelations about where you need to do better, um, how you guys can move forward and everything is just peachy keen. And you've like unlocked the key to figuring out what, what you need to do to get back together. Mm-hmm. It, that's what it looks like. You're like, wow, I've had this strong revelation. I thought about it a lot, even though we all know it's only been 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a lot of the time, I can't say every time, a lot of the time that's just the mind, not you, the mind trying to get you to uh, get back with your ex at any cost, even if, even if you knew at that time it was a toxic relationship or something unhealthy for you. Your mind is going to say, oh no, it's not safe to be alone. Or um, I need to get back, get back with my ex. And so it comes up with that plan. And it's so sneaky because that's not what it looks like when we're feeling that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so weird. I feel like I can definitely relate to that. And it, it's so like embarrassing to think about. But yeah, like that's so weird how that happens. But people just can't help it. Like the mind kind of just takes over and makes you think that. Yeah, I'm feeling called to share just to go a little bit deeper with this, because if we can understand this, then we can get to know ourselves better in the breakup process. So let's say, and I've been through this myself, so this is why I love to preach it, because I can say with confidence that we're all, this is all kind of happening to us, but our decision to look at it differently is what kind of 
um, separates us from, from staying stuck in our breakup. So you have the 24 or 48 hour revelation. You decide to text your ex when you're feeling at a low point or when you're actually feeling really motivated to reach out to them. And then you go and you have those blissful 24 or 48 hours together. But then after the, the second and a half or third day, all the problems come right back just as normal. And you're like, what the heck? I thought that I had revelations. My ex seemed to have fully agreed with them. We had a blissful few days together, but now everything feels exactly the same. And now I just feel embarrassed and honestly a little bit stupid about the fact that I thought that our relationship could change. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Does it ever happen that like within that 24, 48 hours, like that people get back together and it actually does work? Yeah, I have actually heard, I actually know a couple, one couple, the only couple that I know, <laughs> where I sent it, and this is where it gets inter interesting and why it's so individualized, but we need to give ourselves more time than 24 hours to create a huge revelation in a relationship that was, let's say, three years long and full of toxic communication or um, just very emotionally volatile. We're going to need more than 24 hours mm -hmm. to figure out what the game plan is. But yes, to answer your question, there's always exceptions. And I have, in fact, met those exceptions. But I would never, I would never go off of go off of that, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. like to do a little bit more inner work and, and check in with ourselves to be like, what's my motivation for doing this and, and investigate there, depending on where that person is when they are kind of checking in with themselves. Mm -hmm. True. So what do you tell your clients? Like if they have gone through a breakup and it hasn't been very long and they want to reach back out to their ex, like what do you tell them to do? I mean, this is so, so I have a strong belief that it's not about what you do. It's about the, the, the energetic space. And when I say energy, I just mean emotion, right? Mm -hmm. If you're feeling really sad and depressed and you just miss your ex so badly, check in and say, why is that? Is that because you don't like being alone? Because that's very different than wanting to get your partner back. Because mm -hmm. I'm totally guilty of this and I have hurt my exes in the past when I was younger. I would feel lonely or bored or um, just, I literally just woke up and wanted to do something and just reeled my ex back in. Mm -hmm. And from that space, because I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't fully uh, being introspective about what, what I really truly needed to do. I just reeled them back in and I ended up hurting them and that didn't feel good for me. And um, again, I do think that needed to happen because it taught me a lot about thinking about my partner when it comes to our breakup, not just thinking about myself. Mm -hmm. So when people do want to reach out to their ex or they do want to um, get back with their partner, I always say, it's not always about what you do. It's about what space it's coming from. So if you feel like, you have had time and you love your ex and you feel so much love for them 
then it might be the right choice to reach out to them and start moving forward together and see how you can reconcile it. But through my work, I have seen that normally it's when people are on their hands and knees, just desperate to figure out who they are. They think that their ex is, they're not complete without their ex. And I think that's a a big false belief, something that we're really taught in society that you need to be in a relationship to be whole. Mm -hmm. So check in, are you on your knees and just sad and depressed? That often looks like it's, that means we must, we must uh, really love our ex and need to be back with them. But when we check in, we're like, oh no, I'm just really bored today, or I'm just really sad today. And it's, it's about my own personal identity. It's not about me truly loving my ex and knowing that us being together is for the greater good for both of us and the people around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like we're totally taught that like we need to find our other half, but I really hate that because it's like, well, I'm not a half of a person. <laughs> like I want to be a whole person. Yeah, it, exactly right. I think I had a lot of what's called um, codependent or codependency where I had a lot of codependent tendencies um, where I didn't, I wasn't labeling it that, but I just, I felt like I didn't enjoy being single. Like Mm -hmm. I, I genuinely, and I didn't enjoy my own company and what I would do to fill that void, which I wasn't calling it a void. I just, it was just a feeling to me is that I would just date a lot. Like I was, I was like online dating when I was like 19. That's, and that was, that was a while ago. So I was doing, and I didn't even realize at all, but through my own personal inner work. And it's funny because you end up finding the right person for you at the time. uh, When you start looking at yourself as, as your cup is full when you're by yourself. It's not about, oh, my cup will be full when I find that right person. It's, it's just a simple shift in how you see yourself that changes your decisions and your actions. And when you actually see yourself as whole, you make decisions from a really wise space within you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. That's so relatable. I feel like that's kind of like what I have been going through this past little this past year like um like when I I feel like when I started dating like the first few years of it it was like okay one ends and like I need to like if I need to fill that kind of space with another guy and know that like another guy is wanting to talk to me and is interested in me but I feel like after my last sort of breakup I was like oh I need to instead of getting excited about a potential new guy like I need to get excited about myself as cheesy as that sounds but I feel like that's what I needed and that's what I've been doing and I feel like it's been definitely beneficial for me yeah that's that's beautiful and that's the that's the message I think one of again like even when I was I'm really into manifestation I'm really into the into law of attraction um Uh, all things spiritual, I absolutely love. And when I was single, and I had just gone through a really 
embarrassing relationship where it only lasted a few weeks, but my like, how shall I say this? My draw to this person, knowing that they were unhealthy and they didn't even like me that much, that forced me to say, Nancy, what are you doing here? Like, why are you being drawn to this person? And like having them, just having their company is, is actually bringing me down. So I needed to start look, and I had a lot going on for me. I had a job that I liked at the time. I um, was in school. I was into watching a lot of really cool YouTube videos and working on myself. But then when this was happening, I was like, Nancy, you can do this work, but if you don't see yourself as deserving of somebody who's amazing, like you have to be, it's almost like you have to be amazing to walk into my life because right now I'm accepting anyone who shows up at the door. And that's a belief that, you know, any attention is good attention. Mm -hmm. And that just showed how much I was not seeing myself as worthy of the, the love, um, that I, that I truly deserved at the time. So with, when I just saw that mental switch just really show up in my life because I had the courage to say, okay, Nancy, maybe this isn't like about me. Maybe this is like my beliefs and what I'm seeing about myself. Um, within a month, I actually ended up meeting the guy who's my fiance now. So it, it's cool to, it's cool that you can, as long as you just see the shift and you check in with yourself, I feel like I sound like a broken record when I say that, <laughs> you, you literally start making better choices for yourself in love and in other areas of your life as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So would you say that is the best thing that someone should do after a breakup, like try to focus on themselves? Yeah, I think it's one of the biggest things that we hate to hear. You know, our friends are always like, come on, just work on yourself. Stop focusing on guys. And they're like, what does that even mean? And I've also been there. Um, But the best thing I would say after going through a breakup is just to respect your own process. If that means, you know, struggling to get back to work or, or reclusing or going out a lot more, like just respect that that's where you're at and have compassion for yourself. You're not supposed to judge your process or your emotions when you're going through a breakup because you're grieving and your grieving process looks different than your best friends or your mentors or your parents or who you're really in your YouTube influencer. It's your own. So having that compassion every step every day or even every hour is is what's going to help you get through your breakup Mm -hmm. yeah very true and I feel like like once because your emotions are involved in it obviously um but like I feel like whenever I've gone through my experiences like my logical brain is like telling me totally different things and like what the emotional brain is encouraging me to do and yeah I feel like it's easy to um to have like your logical self be judging what you want to be doing um but I I like that I like the idea of just being compassionate with yourself well I think you bring up a really good point when you say like your logical brain versus your emotions 
I think it could even go a little bit deeper, which isn't just, you know, what does my logic tell me? Because I actually have found, you know, your logic's going to tell you something. I've switched it to like, what does my higher self want me to do? Your higher self is that like really wise part of you that wants the best for you. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're having just the worst day, like the worst, you have to ask your higher self, like, what, what would you have me do in this moment? Don't ask your emotions what you should do. Don't ask your logic what you should do. Just ask your higher self what you should do. And you'd actually be amazed that your higher self will, in fact, answer you. I know it sounds a little out there, mm-hmm. but it will answer you. It'll, little, it'll literally say, put the phone down or put that drink down or or turn your computer off or go sit in silence. It'll say something different depending on what you're doing and who you are or the person who's asking. Mm-hmm. Or call your, don't pick up the phone and call your ex, pick up the phone and call your mom or your best friend or somebody that loves you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like that. So when you're not sure, think of what your higher self would want for you. Uh, literally ask your higher self or ask the divine wisdom of the universe. If that's, if that's something that, that you believe in. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you have seen some of your clients doing after a breakup? Well, I think this kind of brings me back to what I was sharing earlier, which is that there aren't truly any mistakes. Everything is, is I think we're always right on track because in my opinion, sometimes our biggest quote unquote mistakes always lead to the biggest breakthroughs and insights. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't encourage us to like force ourselves into the breakdown, if you will, because I've also seen that. Um, but again, just going back to like forgetting, forgetting that self-compassion, right? A lot of the time breakups are not our choice. Mm-hmm. They're our partner's choice, or there's something that like the universe is pulling you um, to do. And it might not feel good. It's definitely not fun. And it's rarely something that we want or would have chosen to go through in the beginning of meeting this person. But just accepting, accepting that this is part of your, the chapter of your life that you're in right now, and um, not dwelling on how you feel like, uh, just as an example, it's coming up to me right now is a client that I have who is a guy and is, um, in his forties and he, he wasn't taught, um, how to handle his emotions just like everyone else. Uh, and he, he dwells on his emotions. He gets angry at the fact that he's angry. He gets sad at the fact that he's sad. He gets he feels shame when he feels sad or cries, right? Mm-hmm. So some of the mistakes, if I had to say mistake, but I'll just say, you know, uh, a blind spot, I think is a great word instead of mistake, which is when you're, when you're sad, you're just releasing, you're releasing the energy that you need to release. Or when you cry, you're just releasing energy. You're not weak. You're not powerless. You're none of those things. You don't have to judge yourself on that. You actually can be compassionate towards yourself that you're crying and going through what you're going through because it's not fun to go through what you're going through. And judging yourself about that, which is another blind spot and or, and or mistake, 
judging yourself for that is is not is not on the path to healing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. I feel like that is advice that I need. <laughs> um, oh, I'm glad. Yeah, because I feel like I was always like the single girl for the longest time. And then if like I would talk to my friends about like their relationships and I like since I wasn't in it and I could see from like an outside perspective, I would I feel like I would know exactly what someone should do if they're thinking about um, just logically and like what would be best for them in the long run. Um, but then like once I started dating myself and seeing myself like wanting to do the things that like I would have told my friends before that they shouldn't be doing, I, it's like hardcore judging. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I'm being such a hypocrite. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely feel like not judging is a key thing that I need to learn for myself. <laughs> well, that's, you just brought up such a, uh... Such a huge moment because number one, for whatever reason, and I think it has to do with family systems, like sometimes we think that uh, it's important for us to always know the answer. And I, when you just said that, I I related so much to that because when I started working as a matchmaker, I thought people wanted my advice. And anytime people came to me, I wasn't actively listening. I was not holding space for them, which is a, a, a learned, um, it's something we learn and it's something that's so critical in life. What I would do is I would just forget all that crap is what I would used to say. And I would just give them the advice so that they can move on and do what I told them to do. And then when I was going through my breakup while I was a matchmaker, which is extremely ironic and hilarious to me, I, I realized like, I don't need people's advice. I need people to hold space for me, to be empathetic in the sense that it matters about the connection. It's not about what I should or shouldn't do. You see like probably thousands, arguably millions of articles on the internet telling you what you should do, what you should not do. Don't text your ex. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Um, all these little gimmicks that sound good. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing too is like the no contact rule. It's like, don't text your ex for 30 days. But I don't think it works like that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this is, a, it's a spiritual experience we're going through, not a behavioral experience we're going through. Just because you don't text your ex for 30 days doesn't mean that you're going to suddenly forget about them or not love them anymore. That's not, it, it doesn't like exhibiting a behavior doesn't lead to a result necessarily in any way. Like the process is different for each of us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why advice is, that's why th- there's a reason why therapists aren't supposed to give advice. And it's because a lot of the time people just feel like, Uh, they don't end up thinking for themselves. And when I say thinking for themselves, I mean, tuning into that, that higher self guidance, you know, your mentor could have done something and you can love and respect them and be like, I just want to be exactly like my mentor, but your mentor's process is way different than yours. And I say mentor, but it could be a big sister. It could be a really close friend or um, somebody in like your sorority. And, but the thing is, if you don't ask, because you know, what's coming up for me right now is how many times have we 
been, let's say, indecisive. What should I do? Should I try and get back with Max? Should I not? Or should I text Max? Should I not? Instead of, you know, sitting in stillness and, and asking ourselves, what's best for me? Like, universe, tell me what's best for me. Mm-hmm. What, should I, what should I do about this? We don't take that five seconds. What we do is we pick up the phone and we think our wisest friend or arguably the friend that we know is just going to have a long, engaged conversation with is, is just going to entertain these old beliefs that we have. And then we probably, we, we still stay kind of stuck in the same frame of mind. So I'm always, I'm always, and I know I'm kind of going on about this, but instead of going out and trying to get advice from somebody, find out what, what advice your higher self has for you first. And that's something that no one else, no one else can tell you what that advice is, only you. And that's also how you build trust with yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I feel like that's a big thing that I've been learning, not necessarily with dating, but I feel like just with everything else, like I always used to be someone who'd be like, oh, if I need to make a decision, I have no idea what to do. Like that would automatically be my first response is, oh, I don't know. And then I would like ask my mom and ask my sisters and then ask all my girlfriends and um, like just end up doing what they all collectively said. But even if it, if it didn't fit with like what I felt deep down that I should be doing. So I've been trying to not ask so many people and just kind of follow what I think is right for me. Yeah. I can't tell you how, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of courage to, to lean on yourself for your and and to know that you are wise and you have all the answers already within you like i used to hear that and i used to think um no because a lot of what i've learned have come from like watching youtube videos or going to school or um listening to a podcast but actually what we were guided to those resources number one and we were guided whether we consciously or unconsciously asked for it. So a lot of the time when we're consciously in this indecisive mode, and mainly because somewhere along the line, and that this is true for me, it could be different for you or whoever's listening, um, somewhere down the line, we were kind of told that, you know, parents know best or older people know best or you were made to believe or you interpreted in some way that you, your thoughts or your decisions or rather your own insight isn't trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us are like always seeking advice. Like I have clients who come to me and, and they actually, I used to do consults and this was actually a really powerful insight for me, which was, Uh, I would ask people, why did you decide to reach out to me? And they would feel very indecisive about things. And they would say, like, I want to know what you would do, or I want to know what your clients do. And I told them, I can't tell you what to do. I can guide you to how to find that in yourself. And what would be so fascinating is they would just feel that they wouldn't hear that message because they were like, no, I don't trust myself. That's why I'm coming to an expert. And I'm like, well, I'm not an expert. I'm just guy. I'm a guide 
to help you uncover what's within you that's the best decision for you during your breakup. And they're like, I don't like that answer. I just want you to tell me what to do. And I'm like, well, we might not be a good fit because I don't in good conscience want to take your money and just make you do a behavior. Because when you, even if you choose the wisest advice, but you do it because you think what you think isn't the right choice and you go and you end up doing the wiser option, you'll go back to that person and resent them in some way. And you'll say, I took your advice, even if it was great advice, like um, don't text your ex uh, when you're on vacation. Just let's just say that's the advice. And it was sound at the time because they were deciding, you know, I want to text my ex when I'm on vacation. And it's like, no, don't, just go enjoy your vacation. Don't text your ex. And then they find out that during the vacation, their ex got a new, went on a date and now they're dating somebody new. Then they'll go back to that person who gave what looked like wise advice and say, if I hadn't taken your advice, I could have gotten back together with my ex and that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. So that's why the brain is a sneaky thing. And that's why we both have to understand that when we go and we look for advice, that we have to have first checked in with ourselves to see what we want to do. And then if we really want to, we can ask for advice um, secondary to that. But don't bypass your own check-in and your own introspection and reflection to defer to somebody who you think is wiser or has the advice for you because that will just end up working against you in the sneakiest of ways. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is all so, so true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's funny. My next question that I have (laughs) was any advice to offer people who are struggling to move on after a breakup? (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I guess I I want to word it to not advice but just words of wisdom to people yeah I think there's so much guidance that and there's so much guidance to let's say absorb during a breakup but it all has to do with you so I'm, I'm gonna sound like a broken record but you know my best guidance is to do a little meditation I know some people are like I don't want to meditate or meditation is for like stressed out workaholics who, who don't understand themselves or something like that, which is not true. All of us can benefit from sitting down, quieting our mind a little bit, and then asking our higher selves, like, help me with this, help me with what I'm going through and just say it out loud or say it in your mind and just check in with what, what does your inner compass want you to do about something? And the second thing is, which I mentioned Um, earlier, which is that piece about compassion, because most of us are not taught, uh, taught about self-acceptance and self-compassion and self-love. Like we're just not taught those things because our parents were not taught those things. Um, So just really remembering that when you're being too hard on yourself, and that comes in the form of I should have done better, I shouldn't have done this, or if I hadn't done this, then this wouldn't have happened. That's all, all those thoughts are guiding you to deepen and start implementing more self compassionate uh, ways of talking to yourself. So how you talk to yourself or how you think about your actions or your words it's not a call to punish yourself 
um, which a lot of us do. It's a call to be compassionate and, 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 and move towards self-love, which is forgiving yourself and appreciating and really, again, respecting your process. You didn't choose to go through this breakup necessarily, or even if you did, uh, you didn't choose to fall out of love. Or even if you didn't fall out of love, but you knew you had to walk away, like that takes strength. Self-love looks like in the beginning, if you're judging yourself about something and you you step back and you say, wow, I'm not being compassionate towards myself, or I'm really not looking at this with self-love. How do I do that? And then you might discover, and again, it looks different for someone else, but it might be like, you know what? I've been through hell and back this year with my breakup. I need to be, I need to love myself a little bit more. Like this has been the hardest year of my life. And I haven't stopped for a minute to say, wow, like I've been through it and I'm still here and I'm doing the work and right. It's those really simple, it's that simple self-talk that went from judging yourself to letting yourself still, letting yourself be free from that negative talk and changing the conversation in your mind to something that sounds a whole lot more loving based on where you are. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I love that. I feel like that is what I need in my life. (laughs) You're sounding like my therapist, which I enjoy. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you were, we were guided to do this for a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like you're, you're covering like so many of the things that I have been working on in therapy so it's great beautiful Beautiful. I love that Mm -hmm. um okay so you have such a unique job um what would you say has been the best part of your job the best part of my job wow okay there's there's so many things it's firstly it's the feeling I get when somebody has that shift that you know, people living 30 to 50 years of their life, not almost, it's kind of, it it feels, I feel like I just have immense love for my clients. And when they see that they deserve love and they deserve to see themselves as worthy and not because I told them to, but because they, they see it for the first time, that moves something within me. Like, I just feel so much love. It's, it's, it's really hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also giving or pointing my clients towards um, that self-love and self-compassion, the stuff that I had to teach myself because of what I didn't get when I was younger, even though my parents were fabulous. Everybody still has things that that they didn't get when they were younger. So when I'm able to point my client towards the same insights that have helped me get to where I am, I just feel this huge sense of love and connection. And it's, it's kind of unexplainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the hardest part of your job? The hardest part. I think sometimes you know, the first thing that comes to mind is when I do see, when I, when I actively watch a client, like beating themselves up or sending me an email saying, you know, our session was 
incredible and I felt really, you know, liberated or I felt free. And then they fall back into that habit that um, makes them just feel that sense of, I guess, unworthiness or just that that self-deprecating mode. And they've like emailed me from that space. And I feel like part of me instantly wants to help them, but I know too that it's part of their process, but it is hard. It is hard when, when I see clients feeling that level of helplessness. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah, that is tough. I just have my last two questions that I ask everybody. Um, but before I get into those, are there um, any things that you want to talk about first or anything that we missed that you want to add at all? No, I think this was such a great, like super comprehensive podcast episode. I loved it. Yeah, I feel like this was def- this conversation just like flew by. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay, great. Well, the first question, so um, just a little bit of background, like the podcast is, I tried to focus on learning because um, I just feel like we could all benefit from learning from each other and hearing other people's stories. Um, yes. so the last two questions I have are about learning. So the first one is, what is something that you've been learning lately? The, the biggest thing, truthfully, uh, learning to unlearn is, uh, is like my motto, mm-hmm. like um, unlearn old beliefs. Um, but another thing that I'm learning just on a personal level is uh, like divine compensation, how giving to others creates more wealth and using the law of attraction to create abundance in, in love, friendships, um, my home life, and my finances. So I'm really, really passionate about that on the side. Hmm, cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then the last question is, what is the biggest lesson you've learned in life so far? Hmm. The biggest lesson. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's that there's a, okay, this is a, a really good one, actually. Um, when you feel called to do something, like you want to have that job or you want to have that house or Um, you want something and that thought was like planted in your head. There's a reason why it was planted in your head. It, and it, and, and to change the conversation from there's no way I'll ever get that to, wow, if it's in my, if I can conceive it, then I can create it or it's already been created. Now I get to follow it. Um, That's one of the biggest lessons I've, I've learned. It's, when I, when I get an idea, I'm meant to get the idea and I'm just meant to follow the path to letting that idea come to fruition without my ego getting in the way saying, you don't have the resources right now or any other negative self-talk that we kind of talked about earlier to, to get in the way of me actually accomplishing that idea. Hmm. Ooh, I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. You said that before. That's, that's a different one. That's cool. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. cool okay awesome thank you so much for being on my podcast this has been so great yeah thank you so much for this conversation I I'm very energized right now and I always think that's such a a great great sign of a a really 
really good conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. If people want to find you or use your services, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me at hellobreakup.com or you can just email me, nancy at hellobreakup.com.